Hello, and welcome to the ArborPod Detective Dendro series. Today's guest is John Lloyd in the case of the Wilting Willow. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture. I was heading home after a long, hot July day, diagnosing 10-year-old little-leaf lindens with stem-girdling roots. It was a typical new commercial development where the landscapers planted too deep and too fast. I'm sure they made the budget, but 10 years later, the homeowners are on the hook for removals and replacements. I dropped Coded off at his mother's house because Monday was meatloaf night, and there was no way he was going to miss that. My cell phone rang as I merged into traffic. Usually I don't talk and drive, but the new truck I was leasing had this fancy hands-off gizmo that made it seem less dangerous to be a distracted driver. Dandro here, I said. How can I help you? Hey, Detective, it's CT here. From Prism Tree Care, I have a client with a wilting willow, and I'd appreciate your diagnostic skills. C.T. had been in the tree health industry for over 20 years, so I knew he wasn't a novice at diagnosing issues. By calling me, it meant that he'd run through the 22 steps of diagnosis that he'd been trained with by those diagnostic dynamos at the Ohio State University, and he was on to something truly difficult. Because the address was on the way home, I told C.T. that I'd meet him there, as soon as I'd made it through the city traffic, and he agreed to hang around until I arrived. The house was rather ornate, decorated with diversity of statuary and many different character trees and shrubs. Every contorted and weeping variety that you could find at local garden centers was accounted for in the menagerie. This should be fun, I thought to myself, as I exited the vehicle. I saw C.T. by the side of the house. As I walked toward him, I noticed that the lawn was lush and dark green, which was surprising, given that the summer drought was particularly severe this year. I even noticed the beginnings of necrotic ring spot near the foundation of the house. That usually only happens when grass roots are kept wet and become diseased. Thank you for coming, he said. This one has me somewhat stumped, and with this client, it's the end of the world. Enough said, I replied. I get it. Like I said, C.T. wasn't a rookie. He might have an idea what the problem is, but he needed outside support. I let him take the lead. We walked to the door, and he rang the chime. Tom, this is the gentleman I mentioned before, Detective Dendro, C.T. began. Oh, thank God, Tom exclaimed before I could introduce myself. Tim is beside himself with this silly willow. It's like it will somehow ruin the entire backyard if it has one leaf out of place. Please follow me. We walked through the house to the backyard. The yard sloped down to the pond in the back. It had been terraced with blocks, but had bluegrass growing between the terraces up to the edge of the pond. As with the front yard, the grass was very green. Tom led us over to a middle-aged, balding gentleman who was shaking his head as he was looking up at a river birch that overhung the concrete cherub. C.T., he started, ever since you made our wonderful birch turn green again, I felt all the faith in the world in your abilities— but I can't have my willow dropping leaves before they turn. You're the expert, so fix the tree. C.T. turned to me and said, That's why I brought Detective Dendro. Now let's all go take a look at the tree. We walked over to a young willow tree, about 12 feet, 3.65 meters tall, with contorted leaves. It didn't have any branches lower than 6 feet, 1.82 meters, Tom explained. We picked this golden girl's peaking willow. Salix Babylonica out two years ago, and it hasn't grown like it was supposed to. Its new leaves are all tightly curled up, and this year it started dropping its foliage. 
Since we were in drought, we've been watering it, and as you can see, we planted it next to the pond so its roots could grow into the water, he continued. I think the tight curls and the leaves dropping are because of that new herbicide problem we've heard about on television. I told the landscapers not to use that nasty stuff anymore, but I think it may be too late to save the tree. Look at all these dead leaves. He waved his arm under the canopy of the tree, where there were indeed several dozen leaves laying on top of the freshly mowed grass. Right away, my mind started making diagnostic connections. The grass is lush and green, to the point that it is having root disease issues. They know willows like moist conditions, so they're watering more than usual because of the drought, and this condition started occurring just this year. C.T. pulled a stem down and showed me the willow's leaves. They were certainly a contorted variety, but the foliage from this year was stunted. The twig's terminal growth was almost non-existent. The internodes from the previous year were as long as they'd been in the nursery. The tree was obviously going through a transplant shock in its second year in the landscape. This response is common when a tree has to shift from using reserves it has sequestered while in high-growth nursery environment to surviving only on the water and nutrients that are provided by the new soil in which it is planted. The tree's root system must also begin to regenerate the roots lost during the transplanting process. But that still didn't explain the leaves falling off the tree. I looked closer at the foliage to see if the tighter contortion of the leaves was herbicide-related. But they just appeared stunted. There wasn't any epinasty, distorted growing edges, or other kind of odd hormonal response that would indicate an herbicide was the culprit. The flare between the trunk and the root system was slightly above grade, and the soil probe went easily into the soil around the tree. The core itself was moist, but not wet or saturated, so there were no obvious indications of a root-based physiological stress effect. Perplexing, I said. First, we had a willow losing leaves in late July. Second, there were no obvious signs or symptoms of an environmental stress, other than what should be expected in a second-year transplanted tree. Third, growth was impacted, but not to the extent that the tree should be shedding foliage. And fourth, there was no evidence of herbicide injury. Also, none of the surrounding plants seemed to be impacted, but the grass is well-watered and lush. Without patterns within the tree, or with other plants in the landscape, we must deduce that the cause is biotic, or caused by a living organism, I explained to Tom and Tim. Since we haven't observed any insects, my best guess at this point is that we're dealing with a pathogen. I concur, C.T. added. But it is late in the season, and we haven't had rain in three months. I don't know how it could have happened this rapidly. You're correct, C.T., I responded. It takes moisture in the air, rain, or extreme humidity to provide the right conditions for spores to germinate and infect new foliage. I pulled out my 20x magnifying glass and steadied my hand as I looked closely at the fallen leaves. I noticed that the fallen leaves had filaments on them that appeared to be saprophytes. The saprophyte is a fungus that started feeding on the leaves after they died. But as I looked closer, I also saw faded spots that looked like they were embedded in the leaf. CT, can you get me a fresh one? Being over six feet tall was a necessity to reach the foliage. Now that's interesting, I said, looking over the fresh leaf. The leaves are infected with Chercospora leaf spot. Chercospora species, I explained. 
According to Dr. Molotov at the University Plant Clinic, germination of spores only occurs under humid conditions, usually during late spring and early summer. The only way the leaves could be subject to infection is if they were somehow remaining damp. That's the conundrum, C.T. responded. Since the foliage doesn't even begin until six feet off the ground, we need to figure out how, during a drought, this tree ends up with wet leaves. There's a part of the picture we're missing, I agreed. C.T. turned to Tim and asked about the sprinkler system. Tim responded that he didn't know how it worked, but that it had been replaced this spring because of leaks in the old system. Tom said he knew where the magic watering box was, so he'd go turn it on. As we were waiting for Tom to start the system, C.T. and I noticed that Tom was climbing back up the hill. I had a sneaking suspicion that somehow we were going to get soaked. As the thought entered my head, I felt ice-cold water hit the back of my neck. I turned to see where the blast originated. It was from a sprinkler head that had popped up and out of the ground about 6 inches, 15.24 centimeters, and was firing a stream of water about 100 to 300 psi. Tim had strategically placed himself between two sprinkler heads that didn't wet his platform, while C.T. and I were in the fan for one of the two heads that drenched the willow. C.T. looked at me with a smile. I think I have my answer. After Tom turned the system back off, we reconvened around the willow. The irrigation had been set to water two to three terraces of grass at a time. While efficient for watering the larger areas, it meant that the willow, being at the bottom of the hill, was in direct line of fire of two of the sprinkler heads. And since the system watered twice a day, every morning and every evening, it was keeping the leaves wet and allowing the infection to prosper and reinfect new foliage. Tim and Tom agreed to have their irrigation technicians come in and readjust the heads in the area of the willow. Their plan was to focus the large heads up the terraces and branch off the smaller sprinkler heads around the bottom of the hill. As I walked back to the truck, I thought about how Coded would have enjoyed this diagnostic dilemma. Ah, the satisfaction of another case solved. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the ArborPod Detective Dandro series. You can earn CEUs for these podcasts. Just log in at the ISA store, click on online CEU quizzes, and find the Detective Dendro quizzes. Stay tuned for the next ones. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture.